We're reading from Romans chapter 8, the whole chapter. Revelation, sorry. <laughs> we are <laughs> okay, I have got revelations, Glenn. <laughs> the seventh seal and the golden censer. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and the and these were thrown upon the earth. And a, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, War! Woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Uh, maybe just stand up for me. Sit down for a while. Just turn to the person next to you and say, maybe ask each other the question, what is God going to say to us out of that passage today? What is God going to say to us out of that passage? <laughs> you can take a seat. For those who don't know me, my name's Glenn Decker. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at One Hope. And uh, for the last number of weeks, we've been uh, working through the book of Revelation and um, uh, wrestling with it, 
um, where uh, have come up with this uh, theme that uh, Revelation um, brings to us a living hope, a hope that actually uh, changes the way we live, I suppose, and it's determined by this uh, statement at the top there, that what we believe about our future determines how we live now. Uh, and so with the, this idea that we uh, believe in an, an eternal reality, uh, a new heaven and a new earth, God with his people again, actually starts to change the attitudes that we have to the things that we're experiencing uh, on earth right at this moment. As a preacher, uh, I'm often in awe how God brings into my life uh, things that suit the sermon that I'm about to preach. So often I'll be going through the week and I'm preparing this sermon and I, things will happen, experiences will happen. I think, oh, that's great. That, you know, thanks, God. Oh, you can use that on Sunday. You can imagine my apprehension a little bit this week um, when, if we go to the next slide, <laughs> you read Revelation 8 to uh, 11. And I was thinking, uh, I don't know if I want too many examples to come my way <laughs> this week. Um, I think Lauren put this, um, uh, the seven trumpets up uh, on Facebook and sort of I was reading it and thinking, oh, do I want people to read that? It's pretty full on, isn't it? Uh, the seven trumpets sound out God's uh, judgment on the, the world. Uh, they're full of death, suffering, brokenness, brokenness uh, and hardship. And yet, <laughs> uh, much of that has been part of my week this week. Got a call on Wednesday night uh, from Coralyn's brother saying that uh, Sonia had died. She's the same age as me, 46, got three kids. Uh, Nick and Sonia have been sort of close friends with us uh, over the years. Um, and yeah the reality of death to someone that it shouldn't happen to, it shouldn't be. We've followed uh, her journey and their journey over the last three months. And over the last three months, her life has been full of suffering and pain that I wouldn't wish on anyone. <laughs> that, uh, uh, that same evening, uh, someone else called me and told me that they had been uh, diagnosed with cancer <laughs> that day. Uh, this week I attended uh, Kate's dad's funeral, um, and so death again uh, was there. I was talking to Mick and Jen, who uh, went to a uncle's uh, funeral this week, um, and so there's lots of discussion about death and um, eternity and brokenness and illness and sin. This week I was doing some work um, for us as a church on our whole uh, child protection policy um, and as a result of that um, ended up on one of these websites that have um, people of concern on them and there was just page after page after page of these people who had committed some of the most atrocious things you could imagine. And here I was reading through and sifting through some of that. You think, what's wrong with this world? What's wrong with people? As I went through my uh, news feed this week, 
there was a little uh, article that uh, had something about Uganda. And usually if something comes through, there's some, I, I usually flick on, if it's about Uganda, I usually have a flick and see what it is. And this one was um, an article about people who had been captured by Joseph Kony, uh, the Lord's Resistance Army in the north of Uganda, and had been tortured by him um, and his people. And they had had their ears cut off, their noses cut off, and their lips cut off. Um, and these people, they had photos of them, they had sort of survived. Um, and they were talking about how they were trying to recover from life again. And I thought to myself, as I, as I read through this, I just thought, what sort of evil possesses a person so that they can do something like that? Yeah, I mean, look on our news and what we're sort of seeing come in to our um, homes through the TV or through the computer. And it's a stark reminder to me this week that this world is not the way it should be. That what we're experiencing uh, on a day-to-day -day basis is not what it should be. There is something wrong with this world. And these chapters <laughs> tell me, yeah, that's what Jesus said. There is something wrong with this world. There's evil present. There's suffering present. And my judgment and curse have been put on the world as well. This world is not the way it's meant to be. Some of us here today need hope when we hear that. Some of us need to know how do we make sense of that? How do we live through that? How do we um, negotiate this sort of stuff, that our situations or our personalities or dispositions lead us often to a sense of hopelessness. And so we're here today and maybe just asking your own, is that me, that I actually need some sort of hope out of this dark world today? You're hanging out for Jesus to come to bring an end to whatever it might be that's in your life. There are, others, there are others of us sitting here today that need to heed the warning. And this is, as we go through, we'll realise that actually this is why God is allowing this stuff to happen on the earth. This is why he's bringing his judgement on the earth. It's so that you will hear the warning. You remember the last verse that Dagmar read? It said, woe, woe, woe to you who live on the earth. You can read it another way and say, warning, warning, warning. There's something wrong with the world. And there are those of us that today sit here and need to realise that the love of the world is hatred towards God. That we're actually a bit dismissive of these things that are going on in the world. and We're more concerned about how much Xbox we can play, uh, what our next sporting activity is, uh, how much money is in my bank account, what career I'm going to have, than we are with the fact that the world is broken and Jesus' judgment is going to finally come from the earth and that heaven is real, but hell is real as well. 
And so where there are us sitting us amongst that, we need to be reminded of that reality. And I think as Christians, and, and my experience in talking to others, that as Christians we often flick between the two. That sometimes we just we need the hope and stuff, and the other times we realize we've been succumbed by or to the temptations of living in this world and thinking the world is our reality. So I want us to think about these things and I want you to examine your heart. I think God's asking you to examine your heart in your situations this week as we go through these uh, chapters 8 to 11. Maybe asking what part of your world at the moment, what part of your life is not the way it should be? And how are you handling that? How are you negotiating that? Or is it even just with the things that have been said now that you're actually starting to realise, oh, there are actually things in my life that are not right. So I want you to think about those as we travel through. Um, we go to the next slide. Uh, last week, um, we read about um, seven, Trump, uh, seven uh, seals on the scroll, the last days. Remember that Revelation, the way we're treating Revelation is that we're going to have seven trips through the last days, uh, seven trips through these last time in history. And so last week it was seven seals unrolling, this week it's seven trumpets that come in these last days that um, reveal some of the things that are going to happen. And they're, as I said, warnings. Uh, in chapter 8, did you, read, did you notice why these things come on the earth? Did you notice why? It's quite interesting. The first verse or two there. If you've got your Bibles, I really encourage you to have them open um, and wrestling through. Uh, we're going to go through these chapters. Uh, these things come as a response from God's people. God's people are praying. You hear that? The prayers of God's people rose up like incense before God. Um, and then the wrath of God or the, you know, the judgment of God is then poured on the earth. And so they're actually a response of God's people on his earth saying, how long, O oh Lord, do we have to live with this? How long do we have to suffer? Uh, please come and do something um, to us. And God uh, comes and brings these warnings uh, to the world. And the chapter 8 um, go through um, the first four trumpets. And the first uh, four trumpets pretty well deal with, well, I put, we call them natural disasters. I just put a, because what do, what do we read from here? <laughs> They're actually supernatural disasters, aren't they? And this is what Revelation is telling us. What you, what you experience here on this world is not just a physical reality. There's a spiritual battle going on. And there are angels and demons um, and you know, God and Satan and his cohorts that are at war in the world. And uh, many of these things are results of spiritual realities. And so what God's saying is that when you see natural disasters come, Remember, warning, warning, warning. These are not natural disasters. They're supernatural disasters. They're telling us something. They're telling us that there is something wrong with this world. That people, you, you're going to die or suffering is going to come. And what's the warning then? What am I going to do about that? How do I live through that? How do I have hope through that? What is your spiritual reality? What is your worldview on understanding uh, these things? And uh, 
what we have as God unleashes uh, these things uh, on the, um, the first, first ones here are all on the earth. So you get uh, land and sea, uh, rivers and sky. Uh, all of them are affected. Um, what you also recognize is just only a third of them a third of the things are affected. And this is what Revelation often does, that the destruction that comes on the world is never full. It's never complete. It never destroys the whole world. The world won't be destroyed by it, but there's a third of it that is affected. And so it's telling us that even this stuff is coming on, it's limited in its reign and it's limited in its effect on the world. There's still actually two-thirds of the world uh, that are to heed the warning. <laughs> Uh, and, and act and respond uh, to it. So that's sort of something that keeps us... Um, what we see as this unfolds, and right, you, you read this stuff. Wh what were you thinking when you read this stuff? You're thinking, shivers, actually, I see this in the world today, don't we? We see, uh, if we go to the next slide, um, we see pollution, we see um, destruction coming in our natural world, don't, they? don't we? See it all around it. Some of it's human-induced. Some of it's supernatural disaster. Some of it's evil. And God is uh, coming to us and he's saying, when you see this and you recognize that there's something broken with the world, he's getting you to, uh, to recognize this is a warning for you, to think about more than is there life beyond this? Uh, how do you uh, negotiate these uh, sorts of things? And pretty well right through Revelation, pretty well right through the Bible, is when these things come on, what does he say? That the message of the Bible is to repent, so to turn away from the things of the world and self and turn to God, to trust in God, to trust in Jesus, and to know that he is over all, through all, and in all. And that's the picture of Revelation, isn't it? That God, the Christ, the King, is over this, even though sin and judgment and hardship is coming on the world. Here's the thing, as we experience um, these things on the world, um, they should change the way we live. They should change uh, the way we view um, the things that are going on in the world. I was thinking, you know, pollution, climate change, all of that. I think that's, that's good for us to be aware of that. But here's the thing. What's beyond, what's behind that? What's behind pollution and climate change and stuff like that? If you actually look behind what, what it is, it's probably human greed and a lack of care for this world, a lack of desire to see w resources shared uh, for us to actually, what did God ask us to do when he put us on the earth? He used to care for it, look after it. And you see, and God's warning, when you go outside of what I've asked you to do, there will be consequences of that. And so we, as the church, hear the warning, and we get back on living the way God had called us, to care for this world, to engage in our environment, to think about um, natural resources and the things that are happening in our world. We're called, and God's warning us, warning us, remember, I've called you to be stewards in this world, carers of it. Uh, those who protect it and stand up for it. And the warnings are, as these things come, as these things come, remember, God's saying, remember who I am and what I've promised. 
I've promised that I am God who's over all, through all, and in all. I've actually told you through revelation that these things are going to come, but I have told you that I'm coming again. And that future hope is going to help you uh, negotiate what you're going through now. Chapter 9, the fifth trumpet gets blown. uh, And this, you think this is bad? Uh, Chapter 9 ups the ante. Because what happens there is chapter 9, what is unleashed on the world is just not natural disasters, it's supernatural and it's evil. And so if you read through that, it's a pretty horrific chapter um, where um, basically hell is unleashed on earth. The demonic are released on the earth. And this is sort of reflected through the Bible, isn't it? That we're in a spiritual battle and there is a real sense of um, evil in the world today. Uh, These uh, are led by... um, really vicious and uh, horrible, destructive demons that are active in the world today. And remember that stuff that I talked to you about, how can someone do this? Uh, If you talk to Rob Bandazag about what happened in the genocide in Rwanda, over a hundred days, a million people were killed, and it was like the place went crazy. And they would just say that, you know, people that talk about this, non-Christians that talk about this, they will use this language. Evil took over the country. And people who were neighbours and loved each other started killing each other. And uh, often the Bible refers to that the leaders of the world and the people who are doing these things of the world are not just acting by themselves, but are driven by demonic forces. This is the reality of the world that we're living in. It's not just a physical battle, it's a spiritual battle that we're called to engage with. Uh, It's pretty... Horrific reading. Go to the next slide. I had to put it in Lego form because I couldn't put it in um, real form. If people, it's it's this one with armor-plated locusts that come on the world with scorpion tails and they torture the world. And we're seeing this stuff happen in our world. And so what it's supposed to do is supposed to warn us. It's supposed to shock us. It's supposed to remind us that there is something more to this world, that there is something wrong with the world that we're living in. And again, we're reminded that only a third of people are affected by this. So a third of people are affected it and the rest of the world are to to respond to it. Um, The demonic angels are given power to um, torture and kill, which is a consequence of the evil that's coming on our world. And yet God is over all and through all now. And then we come to the end of this passage in uh, chapter 9 and verse 20 is this. If we go to the next slide. It says this, the rest who were not affected by all of this still did not repent of the work of their hands. They continued to worship demons and idols. They did not repent of their murder, sexual immorality, magic craft, uh, arts and theft. Um, So here's the point, isn't it? He's telling us the point. This is sent to you to warn you to turn to God. So that when this stuff comes, we, God's told us there's a reality of evil, uh, there's a reality of enemies in your world. And I think I started this off. Remember who our enemies are in this world? Your enemy is Satan. It is the world itself, like getting just you to live for the world and its lures. And it is the old self, sin within you, that is trying to destroy you from a relationship and connection with God. Whew! It's hard going, isn't it? I think uh, John knew this because then he put in chapters 10 and 11. If you've, if you've been reading through, if you've got your Bibles there, chapter 11, 10 and 11 are a bit of an interlude. 
and we need it after that sort of stuff. And chapter 10 and 11, um, he gives this picture of uh, John is called up to an angel to eat a scroll. It's a little scroll, so it's not the big scroll which was sort of represented the last days. The little scroll is representative of the Word of God. And he's, I don't know if you know these parts, what is he asked to do? He's actually asked to eat the scroll. And so he eats the, the Word of God, the Gospel, and two things happen to him. Can you anyone remember what happened to him as he eats the scroll? First, it tastes beautiful and sweet. As the gospel comes in, there's this beautiful... And then what does it do? If you read chapter 9 this week, I encourage you... It churns his stomach and it's actually bitter. And it's a bittersweet thing, this gospel, because what does it do? It comes and says that God has hope through this, but it also says that it's going to actually bring you turmoil. And the reality of the gospel is that it brings a heavenly future, but also warns us of a hell reality and a judgment reality. And these two things to come together to him. And, he says, and, and, and uh, as John takes these on, he, um, and as sort of as a representative of the church, he says, this now is what you are to proclaim to the nations, the bittersweet of the gospel, of hope and warning uh, in a world that is broken, of which something is wrong. Uh, chapter 11, we have uh, two witnesses that come down. Uh, and they, uh, to call witness, uh, bear witness to uh, the things of God. Um, and as we go through all of these chapters, pretty well every commentary I read went something like this. It's really hard to interpret these chapters. <laughs> uh, no one really knows what all this means. And, and, and so what I'm doing and what I've been doing as we've been going through um, Revelation is we've been trying to keep a big picture. So I'm not boiling down into all the little specifics and numbers and symbols and all that sort of stuff because I think we start to get less uh, lost in all of that. We're trying to keep big picture stuff uh, as we negotiate this. Uh, the witnesses that come to bear um, are two witnesses and most people understand them to be the church. They are made up of uh, the lampstands and the oil. Uh, most people refer back to Zechariah 4. If you can remember that in the Old Testament, there were lampstands that were fed by olive oil to keep, and that pretty well representative of the, the Word and the Spirit, God's Word uh, and the Spirit through His people. And so these last two witnesses is the church. The church is now on earth in this broken, messed up uh, uh, place of, uh, of darkness. And the church is what? Is fueled by what is. Oil often represent in the Bible, often represents the Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit. So the church is fueled by the Spirit as it proclaims the Word and shines light in this darkness. And so uh, these two witnesses um, remind the people that uh, in this world that's broken, um, that, they, that God brings hope and God uh, has a... Uh, a, a, a a plan in, uh, in mind to bring this to the end. So we have the scroll, which is the bittersweet of the gospel, the witnesses, which is the church, and the word and the spirit. What I have found, particularly for Christians, how does this work? What I have found is particularly, and you will recognize this, particularly when Christians are in dark places and hardship comes their way, they have opportunity to shine the gospel in ways that they would never have before. So this week, as I've uh, interacted with Nick and the family, 
they have borne testimony to God in ways that I would have never have seen or experienced outside of that reality. As Kate's dad dies, death comes his way. There was just a glorious celebration of the gospel through his life and through his family, bearing witness to the hope of his reality, which is eternal. And in suffering and hardship, God seems to bring his light into the world, bringing hope and purpose and meaning. The seventh trumpet, which sounds at the end of chapter 11, is basically uh, God comes again and everything's back to the way it's supposed to be. If you've got chapter 11, the end of chapter 11, the trumpet sounds, and what do we get? We get God with his people again. The new earth, uh, the, the uh, ark is there, which represents God with his people. And what's happening? All the angels, all the people are centered on Christ, worshiping and glorifying God in heaven. That is the reality of the last days. Remember, we've just journeyed through the last days. We've got to the end, and he just reminds them. Again, remember, as you go through this, this is where you're headed. This is the hope that's going to get you through uh, this time. And he uh, wraps it up there. So as I asked you at the beginning, what you believe about your future determines how you live now. Do you have a living hope? Do you recognize that the brokenness, the hardship, the suffering that you experience is saying something to you about God and yourself? Are you heeding the warnings? Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you a story of a couple of guys who heard the warnings. Go to the next slide. This happened this week. I was flicking through my ABC news feed, and there's this article that says, From Ice to Christ. The ABC don't usually put headings like that, so it just caught my head, Ice to Christ. Um, and it was a, an, an article by Matt Kararuk, um, or no, about him. He was uh, an outlaw bikey. Uh, so addicted to ice that his bikey gang kicked him out of the gang. So they bashed him, left him for dead um, as an ice addict on the side of the road. He somehow survived that, ended up in rehab, um, and through that rehab came in contact with Andrew Chan. Does anyone know who Andrew Chan is? He's a convicted drug dealer, Bali Nine, who was uh, executed for his crimes a few months back. In the last years of his life, that you heard what I said, convicted drug dealer in um, jail, someone presents to him the gospel in this dark place, this brokenness. These, these guys who are perpetrating evil, living in evil, living as the consequences of their sin, and they heed the warning. And they hear about the, the good news of Jesus. And they repent of their sin and they turn to Christ. And both of them became pastors. Uh, Matt's still a pastor in a church in New South Wales now. Uh, this, this picture down here is Andrew Chant. It's not him being baptized. It's him baptizing other people. In this jail that he was in, he transformed the jail in, um, in Bali. And many, many people became Christians in that jail uh, as he began to live out a new living hope uh, that he had been called to as a pastor in that jail. 
And yet amidst all this darkness, this despair, this utmost evil, God is still at work through the living hope that comes through his gospel. This week I was speaking to uh, Rob and Lynette and they were telling me a little bit about um, uh, Katie um, and her boyfriend Jake um, and they had an experience where they met someone who had a near-death experience. Uh, Near-death experience, we often think about people going to heaven but you've also heard that people have near-death experiences and where do they go? They have a hell experience. This guy had a hell experience um, and he was telling... Um, he's ne- since then became a Christian and he was telling Katie, Katie and um, her, her boyfriend about this experience of hell. And you know, <laughs> you know that saying, it scared the hell out of someone? It actually comes from the Bible because it's the truth, it's reality. And that's what God's saying in these last days, warning, hell is going to, you're going to experience a certain amount of hell on earth. You don't want to speak it for, you don't want to experience for eternity. And in that, He's saying, turn back to me. Turn back to me. Because in the end, I'm going to bring it to an end. Satan and his demons are going to be destroyed forever. And there is a future hope with me for eternity in perfection where there will be no more evil, no more death, no more suffering. So as we wrap up, some of us today need to hear that hope. If we go to the last slide. You need to hear the hope that Jesus brings through these messages of revelation, that there's an eternal reality, that these sufferings are only for a short time and compared to it, an eternal reality of heaven on the new earth. How often are you reminding yourself of God's promises? This is how we negotiate. We need to remind these hard times. How are you hearing God's promises to you that he will get you through this, that he will allow you to experience comfort and joy no matter what situation you're in? I've actually become, what do you call it, a Twitterer? Tweeter. No, someone who Twitters, tweets. I'm a twit, that's what I am. <laughs> so, so I've, I've become, and what I do is um, I, I sub follow um, Christian people. And so now when I flick on, and I'm constantly getting this barrage of the promises of God. Tim Keller's my favourite, of course. <laughs> Couldn't go past him, but um, others that I'm saying, and this for me is a reminder, because I have to remind myself almost every hour of the day of the promises of God to give me hope to get through this, to remind me to be a proclaimer of the gospel in this dark world, to be a reminder of I've been called by God to bring heaven to earth in these last days as we battle against uh, the realities that are amongst us. We eat the scroll and we become proclaimers of the scroll. There are some of us here who need to hear the warnings. This earth will pass away and you can't bring any of it with you. What are you living for? It's a reality check that comes our way, doesn't it? And as I always say to you, I'm front and centre when it comes to this. I've heard the warnings this week. (laughs) I've 
been reminded of the reality of the world that I live in. And, and so that we, as God's church, because remember, Revelation is about Christ, his church in the last days. We then as the church, what do we become? We become the church on mission, bringing God's hope to this broken world, bringing light to bear in dark places. And today, you'll get opportunity to do that in Generosity Sunday. When you serve in Generosity Sunday, you'll see the brokenness of the world. You'll see broken families. You'll see ill health. You'll see the world where it's not supposed to be, i.e. gardens that are overgrown, weeds that shouldn't be there, sweat, thorns. It's not the way it's meant to be. It's not the way it's going to be in perfection. And so these things, as we engage in this world today, remember God's telling you a spiritual story in that. That's why Jesus uses parables all the time. These physical things, these worldly things, they're saying something much more than that, aren't they? Remember why you have weeds in the garden. Remember there won't be weeds in heaven <laughs> or on the new earth. Now, those sorts of things. We start to think. think about the people who you will be serving and how they're being affected. Um, do they have living hope? How do you bring a living hope to them? How do you bring kingdom, uh, th this kingdom uh, on earth at this time? And we do it, as we've talked about often, we do it through word and we do it through deeds. We see the kingdom come as we try to restore the kingdom on earth and bring beauty and bring help and bring hope. They're foretastes of that heavenly reality. So today, will you hear the hope of Christ? Will you repent, which means to turn to him and put your trust in him again? Today, will you hear the warnings of Christ and turn to him, believe and live forever? Amen. I'm going to ask our uh, worship team, the youth band, to come up. And we're going to uh, go out singing one last song. And this is, we're going to finish the way we started with the songs. I don't know if you noticed that in the songs that we sang at the, at the beginning, uh, they were sort of about the kingdom of God, about um, his greatness. And there were some lines in there, this line, so that the world will know, so that the world will know. So as we go out with this living hope today, as we seek to uh, live this reality out, it's so that the world will know that there is a king who is coming again, that there is an eternal reality of heaven and hope. So stand with me, and we're going to sing, The heavens shall declare the glory of his name. And so as we engage with this world, uh, we're going to uh, live and proclaim and sing uh, the glory of God uh, so that the world will see and know that he is Lord. Let's sing and worship. John writes this uh, in his letter just before Revelation uh, as he's wrestling with much of this in a, in a pastoral letter. And he says this, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life 
And this is the confidence that we have. So may you go out this week uh, with his grace, with his peace, with his hope, with his confidence as you live out uh, the hope of knowing your eternal reality in a dark world, a dark and broken world. Amen. Um, as we do at the end of every service, we offer prayer. Um, so I'm going to be over here. There's going to be some other people over here. We would love to pray with you about uh, anything, whether it's come out of this service or whether there's other things that you want prayer for. Um, we really believe that one of the ways that the kingdom comes on earth as... Remember what I said? How did this stuff start? It was a response of God to the prayers of his people. We firmly believe in this church that God responds to the prayers of his people. And so we ask if there's anything you want to pray for, um, that you'd come forward and we'd pray with you uh, as we see God um, work and intervene in your life, whatever it may be. If not, uh, we have coffee and tea and food out the back. Enjoy uh, a time of fellowship together. Uh, and I think around, what is it, quarter past 12? Sort of lunch, lunch-ish sort of is around then for Generosity Sunday. Someone will say something a bit later on about that uh, and we'll go out and do Generosity Sunday. Have a great Sunday and uh, may God bless you.